welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. I'm going to bring it up. I have to. The Tailored Trainer. Yeah. It's just it's going well. It is going well. Yeah. And it's like, uh, what's the word? I want to say infesting, but I don't think that's the right word. Manifesting? Uh, manifesting would be a good word, but like, no, it's like taking over my week. Ah. Like it's just like, which is cool. We actually haven't got any, I don't know if you saw some of my stories I was sharing stuff, but I was getting like so many messages about it. I haven't got any bad feedback yet, which I wrote about in my newsletter that goes out tomorrow, which I'm open to criticism because it just allows us to make it better, which is like the, the whole point of an app. You can just keep totally making it better. But everybody, like there was a few people that like straight up said like I was I've been in the tailor trainer and like he's not exaggerating this is 10 times better yeah and that was like dope thank you because that's what we did obviously I'm gonna say that yeah you know because I want to hype it up but it was it was cool to hear people talking about like that it's just so smooth so easy to use obviously I've been using it too but um one of the cool things too is you can actually like track your total daily volume Mm. so if you like usually when we talk about volume we talk about like how many sets you're doing per session or per muscle group per week stuff like that um but the true definition of training volume if we go back to like powerlifting and periodization all that stuff it's sets times reps times load so i lifted blank pounds to in this session right which is very hard to calculate you know like because you would have to literally go okay i did 100 pounds for 10 reps for three sets. So three times 10 times 100 is blank. Totally. I mean, um, 3000 pounds or something like that, which is a high number obviously, but like you can track it. So like, I didn't even realize, but, uh, we did a leg day and CJ texted me. He was like, I I did 79,000 pounds today. (laughs) I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, dude, it tracks your total volume. And I like looked and I was like, what does the app? Oh, so at the end of the session, you can look and it's like, damn, like yesterday's upper body day. I did, it's like 32,000 pounds Sick. moved, which is dope because <laughs> yeah. the cool thing about that too is like I like double progression. So a double progression model would be you, I'm giving you three sets of eight to 10 reps on the seated military press for the next four weeks. Mm-hmm. And week one, you're going to choose a weight that's pretty heavy and it's challenging for three sets of eight. You're just going to do three sets of eight. And if you can do more than eight, you probably grab too light of a dumbbell. But let's say you do 50 pounds, three sets of eight. Mm. Week two, you go 10, 8, 8 for three sets, right? 10 reps and then 8 reps, 8 reps. Then week three, you go 10, 9, 8. Week four, you go 10, 10, 9. Well, most people are like, well, I'm still doing 50 pounds for three sets, 8 to 10. But yeah. 
just those added reps over time, you, if you look at how many pounds you push by the end of the session, you actually progress by hundreds and hundreds of pounds because you did X reps times sets times weight. Um, so now people can see the progression on such a minor scale that like, cause I think sometimes people get discouraged if they're using the same dumbbell and it's like, you want me to add a rep? Like that's nothing. It's like, actually it does it quite a bit over time. Yeah. Um, and you can see that, which is really cool. And it, I mean, it's kind of, if I, if I activate some of the, like if I put some competition numbers in the leaderboard, people can kind of compete together in the app and it obviously creates a competitive atmosphere out there. Yeah. Cause if he's like, if he's lifting X amount of weight by the end of the session, I want to lift yep. more than him. But totally. Um, but yeah, it's just dope. I just like, and then any, any time you guys don't work out together, you can track it also. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in my inbox was just like, so slammed yesterday of like questions, feedback, concerns, like getting people transitioned. It was just fucking yeah. crazy. I definitely overestimated it. Like how much it would take. I probably should have like put a reminder to my clients that like, Hey, I might be delayed for <laughs> check-ins. Yeah. Cause I apologize like eight times a day. Like, dude, I'm sorry, this is late, but Cause it was just like, just nonstop. Totally. Kind of overwhelming, but it's super dope. Good like, problem to have, but yeah. it'll, it'll pan out. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Um, obviously, uh, what we're talking about is available to you less than a dollar a day, 20, uh, $27 a month, net. You can learn more about it or you can click the link in the description. Just go right to the checkout page. If, if listening to me is enough for you. Um, oh, and then I do have something to shout out for all the nutrition coaches, something I'm putting together. And I think this would be super, super cool and helpful for anybody who is listening to this podcast, anybody in general. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have a friend who is a nutrition coach and maybe you're not, whatever it may be, anybody who is a nutritionist, a dietitian, or a nutrition coach, aka you coach people to look better, feel better, lose weight, whatever it may be, but you do not provide training, we are going to create a partner program for fellow coaches. There you go. And basically what it allows you to do is you'll be able to give your clients access to training programs. I'll kind of fill you in once, once you reach out. So if you are a nutrition coach and you want to be a part of our partner program and you want to get access and use the tailored trainer for your clients, obviously it's not free. I'm not going to just give you that, but um, we are creating something special for coaches so that they can basically send their clients somewhere for training, yep. right? So instead of being like, go hire a personal trainer for tons of money per month and hire me as a nutrition coach and now their monthly bills are crazy and, and you're trying to juggle it and, and make sure you're still providing value, give them access to this. It's yeah. way fucking cheaper and it's expert programming. And then there's no other coach stepping on your toes. Totally. It's just a system. So yeah. um, if you are a nutritionist, a nutrition coach, dietitian, or you know of one who would like access to expert training for their clients so that you, they know that their nutrition clients are doing really good programming as well, shoot me an email, cody at tailoredcoachingmethod.com. Uh, we don't have any special application or anything for this yet. It's kind of just like a beta thing. Like I've been, I already had it in my head, like originally that I wanted to do something. So I'm just looking for a handful of people to test this out with. And if it goes well, we'll actually create like something out of it yeah. on the website. But I think that could be huge. Yeah. I think yeah. it'd be super helpful for people. So reach out if that's you. Otherwise, zero other announcements. <laughs> zero other. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, we have another Q&A today, so uh, we'll get right in the questions. We have uh, some questions from the uh, website and also from Instagram today. So we are going to start today with one from Mason Thobe or Thobe? Thobe. I think so. Yeah. That's what I've always pronounced in my head. What is an effective amount of time between sets? I always find myself looking for a new song or answering a text or, and boom, five minutes has passed. Is there an amount of time too short or too long to take in between sets? 
Yeah, I would highly recommend closing. The only time I keep Instagram open is if I want to put some of my training on story. But man, that's one of those rabbit hole apps, dude. Like yeah. I'll like, I'll literally be working and I'm like, I have to go to Instagram to go to my DMs to see who that person was that messaged me because I'm going to send them something or something like that. And next thing I know, five minutes goes by and I'm like, what was I doing? Yeah. And, and I put my phone down and then I start typing and I'm like, oh yeah, shit, that's what I was doing. Um, but effective time between sets, uh, <laughs> the most scientific answer is actually the simplest answer. And it's uh, as long as you need to perform at your best ability. Yeah. So I think a lot of people overthink this. Now, if you're doing conditioning, it's different because conditioning is, is, is a physical activity that requires you to focus on specific intensities, heart rate zones, uh, durations of time. So rest periods are pretty crucial because if you don't take the right rest periods, then you're not going to keep a certain level of intensity that you're trying to maintain or a certain level of heart rate that you're trying to maintain or decrease because some people do high intensity intervals with their conditioning and they want to get their heart rate up pretty high, but you need to let it come back down effectively so that when you go into the next round, you can ramp it back up with that same exact velocity, power output, so on and so forth. But if you don't take long enough rest in between, your heart rate just stays up and your performance just drops, right? So for high intensity, sometimes you need to take longer for uh, like, like sustainable efforts, aerobic efforts. Sometimes it's shorter rest periods, longer uh, interval periods uh, because your heart rate's not as high. Sometimes it's it's about taking rest periods so that you maintain a heart rate. So like if you're doing uh, a mixed modal aerobic circuit, which would be aerobic cardio, but let's say you're doing the sled, uh, push-ups, air squats, and the ski erg, right? None of that's necessary. Like some of it's kind of cardio-like, but it's a circuit. And your goal is to do 30 seconds of each while maintaining a certain heart rate, Mm -hmm. right? So you might go 30 seconds or like maybe it's reps down back on the sled for 25 yards. Then you do 10 push-ups, 10 air squats, um, and then 10 calories on the skier. Well, you need to rest between those accordingly to make sure that you maintain a heart rate of blank, right? So there's there's certain aerobic heart rate zones that you want to stay in. And in that case, rest periods matter a lot because you're using them as a tool that's placed in when your heart rate gets too high and you need to bring it back down. Um, but with strength training in, in bodybuilding, it doesn't matter. It's, it's literally like if you, if you rest, usually if you rest less than two minutes between a heavy set, your performance is going to drop. Now, if that set is a single leg, like a split squat, you can take less breaks because you're going left leg, then you switch to the right leg, take a minute off. It's been about two minutes since you did your left leg anyway, so you go back to that, you know what I mean? But if you're doing barbell squats and you take less than two minutes, I can almost guarantee that volume or intensity is going to suffer, right? You're either not going to be able to lift as much weight as you did on the first set, or you're not going to be able to squeeze as many reps out as you did on the first set. And if you can, you probably didn't push hard enough towards the beginning of your sets. So if you're working at an RPE and an intensity that's, that's high enough to grow and to build strength, then you're probably going to need anywhere between two to five minutes between sets in order to fully recover so that you can use the same amount of load on the bar and hit the same amount of intensity and volume that you did previously. Because we know building muscle and getting stronger is, is almost like, yes, there's technique, there's skill work, there's a lot of things involved, but the main thing is like intensity and volume. If you're trying to grow, are you doing enough? If you're trying to get strong, are you lifting enough? Like, is it heavy enough yeah. or are you doing enough reps? And in order to maintain that, you need to take longer rest periods. So um, there used to be this thing where it was like two, like one minute was ideal. And then they realized that like, no, it's more like two minutes because weight lowers too much. And then they realized like, actually, it doesn't matter because what they were seeing is that more blood flow stays in the muscle if you take shorter rest periods. That's why if you do like curls, you do a set of 10, rest 30 seconds, set of 10, 
30 seconds, rest set of 10, your arms are like going to explode. Yeah. And you can barely do the reps. So you have such a pump. But if you rested two minutes between, you'd get full range of motion. You'd actually grow more. You just wouldn't feel that burning lactic acid accumulation, that metabolite accumulation in the muscle, yeah. At the- which people associate with growth. They associate that with results. Just like people sweating. It's yeah. like that, that thing I posted, it was yeah. like, uh, what did it say? 10x your sweat. Yeah. Sweating has nothing to do with fat loss. Yeah. Like you could say, well, like when I sweat, I'm working harder and that hard work leads fat loss. I'm like, okay. But there's certain genetic, like from a genetic standpoint, certain people just don't sweat that much. Yeah. So that's really not, and it's the same thing with soreness. You don't need to get sore. Like muscle damage, soreness isn't a direct correlation of, of muscle growth. It's a very indirect or I'm sorry, it's not a causation. So muscle damage, breaking down the muscle being sore, doesn't cause muscle growth. It's an indirect correlation, meaning when I do enough volume and intensity to grow, I'm usually sore. But if you do it enough, of the, especially of the same movement, you can continue growing and progressing and you won't get sore anymore because adaptation. Yeah. You know, your body adapts to that stimulus and you, you understand it. Um, that's the, the repeated bout effect is what they call it. When you repeatedly do something, you stop getting delayed onset muscle soreness, DOMS. But... I think overall, like I would say two to three minutes is like the zone. I like to stand for accessory work. It's one to two. And then yeah. for supersets, it's less than 30 seconds and because a superset is usually, I usually program a superset as an antagonist. So if I'm doing a dumbbell press in a row, you can do them one after another and you're not going to like your performance won't suffer because they're polar opposite muscle groups. So actually there's been some studies that show it actually improves. You're, you're saying 30 seconds between each movement, not between each set. Exactly. Okay. On a superset. Now at the end of that superset, I do like taking one to two minutes. Okay. Because more from like a heart rate perspective, yeah. if I do heavy dumbbell bench for eight and then I immediately go less than 30 seconds, heavy seated row, I'm just like my heart's pumping. Like I need a minute or two to yeah. kind of calm down before I get back into the next superset. Yeah. If that makes sense. But two to three minutes is a safe bet. Gotcha. One to two for accessory work. Yeah. Yeah. And then... There's times and places two for <laughs> two minutes is I usually put like in my programming compound lifts, I put two to three session work up at one to two. Um, and then at the tail end of programming, sometimes I'll do less than a minute. If it's like, again, like a, a curl and a tricep extension, I'm going back and forth curl, go right into extension. By the time I get back to the curl, it's already been a minute. That's fine. You yeah. know, um, the only thing I will say too, is I was thinking about this the other day, like a, a perfectly sound evidence-based program based on research, you would do like for a leg day, squat by itself, take long rest periods in between. RDL by itself, take long rest periods in between. Leg extension, take long. Like it's just very standalone. There's no crazy intensity techniques. It's just straight sets. And you're just getting full range of motion, getting good contractions. But there, there comes a point in time where like the fun side of bodybuilding is when I say, all right, our finisher is a 10 minute AMRAP and you're doing curls with the 25 pound dumbbells for as many reps as you can push downs for as many reps as you can with that weight then you're doing trx rows and push-ups all very bicep tricep focus and we're just like smashing you into oblivion like mm. you're you're super pumped you're sweating you're f- really fatigued you're, you can barely like lock out your elbows and it's just it's just fun yeah. like it's not necessarily like if you s- took more time to do that and it, you maybe even did less sets and did it with quality you'd probably grow more yeah but there's something fun about just like going through a grind of a, of, of, or a drop set, right? You could do five sets of 10 on the bench press and that would be more effective than three sets of 10 and one just gnarly uh, drop set with less weight and like 25 plus reps. You probably won't grow as much, but yeah. it's just fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think challenging it's challenging and, yeah. and putting yourself through that. And, and like, that's why I think that 
there there is value in some of the like the old school bro techniques inside of training because they're just fun and they yeah. just get you amped up to train. I think the evidence based community is is growing and growing and it's great because it gives us a lot of insight to what matters. But I think for people who understand the art of coaching, you got to put that fun shit in there or else your programs, people aren't going to want to do them. Yeah. Like they're so science-based that they're boring. Like 75% of it should be science-based. So you know, they're getting results. And then 25% of it should be like, I know what people enjoy doing and what pushes them and what like gets them a little scared. Like you get butterflies going to the gym. Cause you're like, fuck, I got that. Like that shoulder complex today yeah. is just brutal. You'd be better off doing four sets of lateral raises with like slow tempo and long breaks. But I'm going to put you through this thing where you do like eight different exercises before letting the dumbbells down. You're just going to do two sets. Yeah. And it's just fun as fuck. Yeah. So I don't know. But to answer your question, Mason, two, three minutes, compounds, one to two for accessory. For sure. That's like the basic answer. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, there you go. We got one coming from Christy Linton. It says, salt used to get a bad rap. But now, it's said to be good to incorporate salts into your meals, especially pre-workout meals. Can you explain why it's beneficial and what it does for your body? Yeah, so it, it also depends on the salt. So um, I usually recommend pink Himalayan salt or iodized salt. Um, you want salt like with iodine in it. Iodine's a mineral. Um, iodine is extremely helpful for your nervous system and your thyroid. So... Um, I wouldn't say that this is, they started removing iodine from salt. I don't know when, 70s, 80s, 60s, I have no idea. I can't mm. remember. There's a book called The Salt Fix. I, I read it a long time ago, but it's a really good book. Can't remember the doctor's name who wrote it, but it talks about this thing. So if you really want to dig into this, The Salt Fix is a great book for this. But um, I don't know if this is exactly why, but like there's a lot of thyroid dysfunction in, in the United States and just as a whole, you know, and mm. they started removing more and more iodine uh, in, in countries like Japan. From what I know, thyroid dysfunction is very, very minimal. Um, and they have healthy metabolisms and they eat a ton of iodine because seaweed is one of the most rich foods in iodine. Yeah. They eat a ton of seaweed over there. Yeah. Um, and kelp and things like that. We don't really eat much of that here. So um, having salt that has iodine in it, pink Himalayan salt, iodized table salt, it's going to be helpful just to make sure your thyroid's being stimulated properly, which is going to help all your hormones, metabolism, everything. So that's one big reason. Um, there's also, like, if you get pink Himalayan salt, there's also a lot of other minerals inside of it that are going to help muscle cramps, recovery, hydration, pH levels, pH balance, electrolyte levels. So if you're training hard and you're sweating a ton and you want to consistently stay hydrated, which we know you need to do if you're going to, like, do an hour-plus-long training session especially, yep. or if you're doing endurance work or anything, you need good electrolytes in your body. And instead of relying on electrolyte supplement, just put salt in your food. Yep. Like that's going to help you with those. And it's going to help balance those. And it's natural. Um, so, I mean, from recovery of your muscles to, to, uh, amplifying your nervous system. Like if you've never done this before, do this for a week and you'll see a huge difference, but take like a quarter of a teaspoon. If you're a bigger, uh, I mean, not even, I would do this. I'm 175 pounds, half a teaspoon, anywhere between quarter of a teaspoon, and half a teaspoon. So not a ton, a teaspoon is pretty tiny. But just that little bit of pink Himalayan salt, like 30 minutes before your session, 15 to 30 minutes before your session, literally just throw it in your mouth and swallow it with some water, just take it down, and then go train. Like, people will see an increase in performance. Um, part of that could be improving electrolyte balance and hydration of the muscle. Some of it could be uh, pushing your nervous system because it does stimulate your nervous system a little bit. Um, but without a doubt, it helps a ton. Yeah. And I'm not the only one that does this. I know really high-level CrossFitters that they swear by just some pink Himalayan salt before they train. Like, it, it goes a long way. Yeah. Um, so 
I mean, again, vitamin, or not really vitamins, but all the minerals inside of good salt, the iodine is going to be crucial for your thyroid health. It's going to help your nervous system, um, your metabolism. Obviously, it's going to help your performance, your recovery, hydration of the muscles. There's a lot of good reasons why you need salt. I think the problem is, is, is you know, salt's bad if you have hypertension uh, and extremely high blood pressure and things like that. But this is one of those things where salt might exacerbate that, but it didn't cause that, right? I, I have a ton of salt in my diet. I salt every meal yeah. heavily. And, uh, and I, I just love salty food. And the I, I don't have hypertension, right? So, but if, if I stopped training, started eating like a slob, and I became extremely obese and got hypertension, I would have to remove salt. For sure. Salt didn't cause me to become obese being in a caloric surplus and not exercising made me obese and now the salt is just not an, a healthy thing for me to consume yeah um so it's just like a surplus for somebody like me isn't unhealthy it's actually healthy in many regards for sure but a surplus for somebody who has 100 pounds loose is extremely unhealthy yeah just like a, a deficit isn't necessarily healthy for me but a deficit for somebody who has 100 pounds loose is extremely healthy yeah you know so i think it's all context specific but they basically took this data of Salt makes hypertension and blood pressure, all these things worse and said, ah, this is a causation. You got to remove salt. And then it went like this all like no salt kick for two decades. Um, Who's they? The nutrition, food industry, the government. Gotcha. Um, When they took iodine out? They took, well, they took iodine out before that, but they started making like, you remember Mrs. Dash? Yeah. It's like the most popular, it's a salt-free seasoning. Yeah. That became like super huge and everything dieting was like low sodium. Yeah. Why does that fucking matter? Yeah. I want sodium in it. Yeah. <laughs> Put it back. You know, it's not, it's not well, a big issue. Well, you can get it with sodium. Like I know, but I'm just saying. Soy like, sauce. That was like the way of people going, like, this is a way for me to lose weight and get healthy. Uh-huh. Low sodium. I need to eat low sodium. Like, the amount of times, like, people who are gem pop that don't, like, live in this shit, like, I do have asked me, like, well, I'm trying to go on a diet and, like, watch my sodium. I'm like, no, don't do that. Like, watch your calories. Yeah. Like, that's going to help you lose weight. Sodium is just going to make your food taste shitty. Yeah. Like less sodium is going to make it taste shitty, you know? And then you're going to have dry mouth and be dehydrated. But it's, I mean, it's also good for like your heart and stuff, isn't it? Less salt? No. Oh. If you're sedentary and overweight, of course. And that's, that goes back to the whole like high blood pressure, high hypertension yeah. thing. But for somebody like, example, for me, because I, I'm not overweight and I do exercise, salt is beneficial. Totally. For all my hormones and systems. Yeah. It, but that's this the whole thing. It's context specific. So the person asked this question. I saw their face on the, on in the Facebook group when they asked it. They're in the Facebook groups. I know they're working on their health and exercising. Hundred percent salt's fine. Like you don't need to overdo it. But the body regulates its salt levels pretty easily. So if you're consuming, and these are completely random numbers. So don't take this uh, take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, should I, I wish yeah. I knew these like, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> We do, uh, okay, so if, you, if you're consuming 3,000 whatever, uh, I think it's milligrams or grams of salt or whatever per day, yeah. and then you go uh, to 5,000 milligrams, right? That's a huge jump. You're going to retain water. You're going to feel bloated, and if you go right back to 3,000, that water retention goes away. If you stay at 5,000, your body will regulate, and that water retention will go away, and then 5,000 becomes your new norm. Yep. It's not infinite. You can't just keep doing that and doing that and do that until you're like, I'm going to consume 20,000. You know, like, no. But it, it does regulate really well, um, which is w- another reason why you should just see what you do. Add a little bit in if you're training really hard. If you're not training really hard, you don't need to add salt into your diet, and you should just leave it be. One of the most dangerous things that bodybuilding competitors did back in the day was, was – uh, load and cut their salt 
because they had these drastic swings causing massive forms of dehydration. I actually saw a guy pass out on stage in Tacoma. I was at one of my uh, clients' bikini competitions. Actually, she was in figure, but he was in the bodybuilding class. And I'm just watching. It was in that that theater on uh, Pacific Ave. Yeah. Um, and we're sitting there, and they're, they're doing their posing, flexing. Dude just, just drops. Damn. Yeah. And I never, like, I didn't go backstage and say, hey, what happened, man? Because not my fucking client, but yeah. I assume he was probably, usually what they do is they, they load and cut salt, then they you cut say, water. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. When you say load, you mean spike up. Yep. So like literally adding tons of salt to yeah. the food and okay. then they, and then remove it um, or vice versa. I never did it with any clients cause it's very dangerous. And if you're, if you're not lean enough to get on stage, don't get on stage, but they do that. Then they play with potassium and magnesium levels because that helps the, the water balance. Then they do a water load. So they're drinking two to three gallons a day and then they remove it. So you're drinking basically like when I did my competition, the instructions from my coach were, uh, drink a half a cup of black coffee in the morning with nothing in it because coffee is a natural diuretic makes you piss. And you can have, uh, like it basically like one water bottle for the day and you can sip on it throughout the day just to make sure your mouth doesn't get too dry. Wow. One water bottle for the whole day. So that's 16 fluid ounces. Like, this is so unhealthy. Yeah. And, but when you're, when you don't know any better and you're just trying to be shredded on stage, you're just like, yes, sir. Whatever the fuck you want me to do. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just eating like asparagus, tilapia, and brown rice out of a Tupperware cold because there was no microwave yeah. with no water. Oh my God. Uh, so gross. No condiments because you can't have fucking anything on it. It was so bad. You don't have to do that. In, in physique world anymore. We realize that. Oh. But old school bodybuilders. That was the way. That was the way. Damn. Um, built some self-discipline from that shit, I'll tell you that. But yeah. But yeah. So the uh, salt fix is from James something. I cannot pronounce that last name. Dr. James Lantonio. Whoa. It's D- a blue book. Yeah. With I'm a... D-I-N... D-I-N-I-C-O Lantonio. Yep. Dico I think it's blue and has like a, a table bo- salt, right? Yeah, pill bottle. Oh, it's a pill bottle. Yeah. The salt fix. Oh, okay. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, there's your salt answer. Um, next question comes from uh, Krista Ann. Says there's a lot of talk in the health world right now about gut health. At what point should a person worry about their gut health? Another question, also kind of related, is do you think that food sensitivity tests are accurate? Does eliminating those foods that are sensitive to detrimental to weight loss? So let's break this down into two different ones, and we'll say the first one: um, gut health. Gut health. Um, people worry about their gut health. One should worry about their gut health when you are experiencing gut problems. Any gut problems, really. Yeah. I mean, for an oversimplification of the answer, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you have pain in your stomach or intestines or bladder or anything like that, um, if you're not regular or too regular going to the bathroom, um, if anything you're you're eating causes you to like break out or anything like that, if you're extremely bloated or gassy, like. Just like literally think of the most common like stomach, quote unquote, gut problems you could have. Put those on a piece of paper. Watch for any of those things. If none of those things really happen, you have nothing to worry about. You don't need probiotics. You don't need digestive enzymes. You don't need any of that stuff. 
If you're experiencing mild bloating, digestive enzymes, probiotics, they might help a little bit, so it's worth a try. Um, if you have extreme bloating or you have extreme pain or anything in your gut, at that point, usually we need to eliminate something you're out of your diet, which usually causes for elimination diet, which kind of leads into our second question, the food sensitivity test. I personally think they're complete bullshit. I don't... Complete? Complete bullshit. Damn. Um, I've just heard too many like gut experts talk about how... They're just not accurate because they use what's called the IgG. Uh, I believe it's an enzyme. Basically, they're looking for, and when they see these spikes in these IgGs, it kind of tells us that it's triggering your body. Mm -hmm. So you have a sensitivity to this if it elevates your IgG level, right? Problem with that is, is when you consume something often, it elevates your IgG. That's just, an, it's an enzyme that helps you break down that food. Um, and this is like based on my understanding, I'm not a gut health expert, but from who, what I've learned and I've, the people I've talked to and I've done a food sensitivity test and been like, oh shit, I have to cut out whey protein. I have to cut out almonds. I have to cut out all this stuff, right? And I, was, I ate a lot of almonds because they were a healthy nut. I drank whey protein every day, right? And it's like, fuck, I, those are staples. Yeah. Stopped eating them. Didn't feel any change. Started eating them again. Felt totally fine. Like, and I didn't have gut problems. I did it because my clients were asking about it. I'm like, I'm going to go test this out and see, you know, if I can pinpoint something and feel better and because sometimes we know this like people are like oh I eat well like I feel fine and then you get them really like training and eating healthy they're like well I actually have way more energy and I'm sleeping better and maybe I didn't feel fine like I yeah. didn't feel that good um I was kind of approaching it like that and I didn't see any changes so then I started digging into it and I read from a few people um and I believe Dr. Gabrielle Fondaro and I talked about this on the podcast, or maybe it was Steve Cabral. It was one of the gut people that were like in the gut health world that I talked to on the podcast. And uh, they said the same thing. And it was just kind of like, if it spikes your IgG, it's just, it's, it's a common, it's a familiar food in your diet, right? There is a chance that if you're eating bread every day and you're, you are sensitive to gluten, it will trigger that because you eat it every day. And if you cut it out, you might feel better. So there's always that chance, yeah. you know? And to me, it's like, if you did it, and you cut out a certain food and you feel way better because of that, then you can disregard everything I'm saying. And even if I'm right, like it actually doesn't work and it was just a coincidence that you cut out the food that is actually bugging you because you eat it all the time and it caused the spike that elevated the test. Great, you feel better now. Who cares? Like who cares how you got to that? That's like the whole placebo thing. This isn't placebo, but yeah. the idea of placebo is be. who cares? Yeah. If it works, you feel better, fuck it. Keep doing it, you know? Yeah. Um. But if you're, if you're taking a supplement that there is no research behind, we find out it doesn't really do much, but you've been feeling so much better when you take it because mentally you think it's doing something, then just keep taking it because you, you feel good on it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm not into them. I think it's uh, an elimination diet is way more beneficial because I've had too many people do those and then cut out food that they love and then they feel restrictive and then they go on binges. And I'm like, hey, let's just do an elimination diet. And we find out the food that was bugging them was something different and it's not a food that they truly love that much. So they're like, Oh, okay. I can live without that. Yeah. Not a big deal. And I feel way better now. So, uh, I think that's always the better route. Um, and of course there's always the common hits, right? Soy, gluten, uh, dairy. Those are kind of like the main trigger foods that tend to get people. You can throw beans out there for some people, but I think the problem with beans, beans are pretty calorically dense and, and they're very fibrous. So a lot of times people are like, oh, beans upset my stomach. Well, if you're anything like me, I could eat a salad bowl of chili. Yeah. That's a lot of beans. Yeah. I don't feel like lethargic and bloated and gassy because beans affect me negatively. It's because I ate way too many fucking beans. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're good. So <laughs> I think sometimes that's really what it is. Yeah. Because um, I net, like, 
I could feel that way from eating chili or beans, and I never feel that way from green beans. Why? Because I'm not going to eat that many green beans. I'm not enticed to eat that many green Are beans. Are green beans as filled with fiber? Yeah, they're still a bean. Really? Yeah. I don't know if they're the exact same fiber content, but... Um, they are high in fiber. So are, so is broccoli. So it's all that stuff, you know, okay. you're also not enticed to eat a salad bowl of broccoli. <laughs> so y- you do, beans you're going to, you're going to feel sh- shitty. Yeah. Black beans, black beans. Uh, I like Pinto beans, man. I, I do, uh, it's, it's my dad's recipe, but, um, barbecue beans. So it's like, and I made it healthier. Take sugar-free barbecue sauce. Uh, I want to say Worcester, a little bit of soy, and then some seasonings. And you basically mix black beans, pinto beans, and I think white beans. And then you cook bacon, chop up the bacon, oh, wow. cook ham, cut up the ham, put it all in one big casserole, and bake it. Dude. Wow. With, with the barbecue sauce. Wow. So fucking good. I did, a, I did a barbecue date night one time with Shannon, and I made that corn on the cob in the Traeger, so I smoked the corn, and, and a full turkey, you know, like a beer can turkey where you put a beer can in in it and yep. I didn't have a beer can but it's the same style tie yeah. it up smoke the whole thing and it was like alright we'll do this while Blake's awake and then we'll have some wine and like hang out we were asleep by like 9 <laughs> cause we were so full I think I made cornbread too it was yeah. like just the stupidest wow. big meal between two people yeah. oh it was so good um, but yeah I think uh, I'm not a fan of food sensitivity tests I think that you should just do an elimination diet it works way better um, and it's free Yeah. so like if you make an appointment, go get the test, they send the results out, you wait for the results, you get the results in the mail. I mean, by the time you get those results, you could have been not, you could have done an elimination diet for two weeks and found out that like cottage cheese makes you feel like shit and cut it out and then go on with your life for free. <laughs> you know, it's like, and it's more accurate. Yeah. So that would be my two cents. It's so funny. Um, couple episodes ago or whatever we were talking about the placebo thing mm-hmm. probably several times but yeah. i had like every episode for the last month yeah <laughs> i have i had like six or seven people like message me on instagram yeah about it saying what that i was right and to tell cody that he doesn't know what he's talking about yeah right death desert you got some team no. i was gonna say you no. got some team they, nocebos on. They, were, they just dropped a bunch of books and they were just like no they were tame placebo (laughs) it's very real it's very real bro hopefully we'll get i mean britney's working on getting one of the placebo guys on the podcast that'd be sick she was like which one i was like i have no i actually haven't read any of the placebo books i've just heard about them so we'll do it i mean i'm pretty sure on the first time i ever really started like looking up like reading articles on it and like reviews on books and research and stuff was Mm -hmm. uh when andreas went through cancer because i think he read a book on placebo and it basically was just talking about like daily affirmations like telling yourself certain things to like get through hard times and obviously he got through cancer so yeah must have worked totally you know i mean he's a, just a strong individual as a whole but yeah it'd be cool to get somebody on hey do you want quick easy and fast fat loss so fast that it'll happen in 30 days and maybe all you have to do is take a pill well you're shit out of luck because it's not going to happen. It takes hard work and patience, which is one of the reasons why I love Legion Supplements. They are open and honest about their marketing. And on the front page, they tell you that supplements don't overrule training and nutrition, but they do supplement a good diet and a good training program. So if your training's dialed in, your nutrition is on point, and you want to get that upper edge and take things to the next level to get the best results possible for your body and performance, check out Legion and save 20% today by heading to buylegion.com boomboom. Now, let's get back to the episode. 
Cool. All right. Uh, next question comes from Tammy Liu. Wait, did we already ask this question? Mm-hmm. How do you help a client deal with body dysphoria? We've probably talked about this for sure, but this is a new question. This came in yesterday. Oh. In the Facebook group. So how do you help a client deal with body dysfor- dysmorphia? There you go. Um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a completely different animal Yeah. for every single person. You know, there's certain people that we've recommended go seek out therapy. Um, there's certain people who were like, Hey, we're not going to weigh in anymore. I don't want you tracking calories because we're just going to focus on habits and we're just going to talk every day just to make sure that you're mentally in a good place and removing the metrics and trackers and tools and all that stuff actually helps them. Yeah. And then there's other people where actually giving them more metrics and tools and trackers helps them because, and I've said this before, I've seen, a, I've seen this actually a lot more than people would expect, but somebody has like a really poor relationship with their body and the scale. They don't want to step on the scale because every time they do, they're disappointed and they, they shame themselves and so on and so forth. And I'll say, hey, I want you to weigh yourself every single day. And most people will be like, you're insane. That's just going to piss them off more. They're going to be depressed. And it's like, no, because what they're going to see is that they weigh 150, 151, 152, 149, 151, 150, 149 and a half. Like it just, it bounces, right? But if they would have weighed in once and it was that 152, but the majority of those days were actually 149, they would have never known yep. that they actually weighed 149. They would have been so sad about that one. Like I gained three pounds. What the fuck? And it's like, no, your average was 149 because we weighed in seven times a week. So for some people, and then same with food. With food, it's like a poor relationship with food. They go, you know, don't track food. I agree. With some people, it makes them more neurotic, and that's that's the problem. If they have OCD tendencies or neur- neurotic tendencies, then yes. Like sometimes that's not good. But for some people, if you go, okay, so it's kind of like a budget where I can essentially, if I want a half a pint of ice cream or maybe even like healthy ice cream like Halo Top or Enlighten or something like that, I can actually fit it in. I can eat that whole fucking pint and I don't feel bad because I fit it in my calories. It's yeah. just a budget and I'll eat less in the morning so I can afford it. And you tell them yes. And like that flexible, flexible approach actually helps them. I've seen that mostly with bodybuilders and competitors um, because it allows them to still reach their physique goals and be flexible. And that ends up giving them a sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people, they feel shackled to my fitness pal, you know, and that's, a, that's an issue. So it, it's so dependent on the people, but I usually think like it, it stems from you got to fix the relationship with the scale or the uh, food. And it's either give them more data to play with so they can see the evidence because some people are, they're logical creatures. I'm a logical creature. So if you make me do something that is going to give me evidence as to why it's happening, it's happening and it's totally fine and normal and I'm actually not what I thought I was and, and all that stuff, then I feel way better. But for some people, they're very emotional. So even just like they're scared to get on the scale and that act of getting on the scale makes it worse. doesn't matter if, if I show them the evidence, you know, so you have to read your client. Um, but I think body dysmorphia stems from those two things and it stems from your environment. So if you have body dysmorphia and you're following uh, a bunch of like you watch reality TV every day and you're watching the Kardashians, you know, and you see that every single one of them has surgically changed every aspect of their body. Like, I know you've seen her lately. Uh, you used to watch that show. Oh, um, my God. Get out of here. I caught you once, and I'll, you'll never let that down. Um, what's the older sister's name? Chloe. I don't know. Chloe. Have you seen Chloe lately? Chloe's not the oldest. Courtney is. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Just joking. No, you're not. No. But anyway, Courtney. Hey, Chloe. I'm talking about Chloe. Oh, okay. Uh, Lamar's ex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen her lately? No. Look her up, dude. 
No. When you get a chance. Okay. She, like, literally, Shannon was like. She didn't uh, look the same. She was like, who is this? And I was like, I don't fucking know. I have no idea who that is. Some famous girl. And she was like, it's one of the Kardashians. I was like, no, it's not. And she was like, which one is it? And I was like, I, pff, I don't know. I've seen the Kardashians enough to know Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. Like, yeah. no idea. It was insane, dude. Wow. She looks totally different. And to me, like, and this is not hate on surgical processes, you know. Um, fuck, I'd get veneers. Give me some veneers. Like, I have no problem with that. You know, there's certain things that, like, I think are fine. I know plenty of competitors and women who have boob jobs, stuff like that. Totally fine. But I think when you start changing your jaw structure, your nose structure, your, you bring in your hips, you make your butt big. Like, now you're literally changing every aspect to become a different person. And to one extent, I go, like, it's the same take I have on steroids. If you want to do steroids and you're open about it, do it. Yeah. I don't care. Like, it doesn't affect me. Same thing with that. But if you're posting on social media about your, your, your beauty products of how you can look like this too and you're causing women to have body dysmorphia, yeah. that's where I have an issue with it. Yeah. And that's – my point with this is – and this, again, it's not hate on Chloe. Like, now I feel like a dick. But I, I always want to tell people like this, asking this question, like, unfollow every person like that that you follow. Even if they're a good person, it's causing you to look at yourself differently. And yeah. that's where the problem is. So go on social media, unfollow everybody that makes you compare yourself to them, and then judge yourself. Remove them all. Every single one of them. Um, look at the music you're listening to. Look at the movies you're watching. Look at the magazines you're looking at. Look at uh, everything. Advertisement. You can stay away from certain things. Like, it just, it, it goes on and on. Where are you shopping? You know, like, I think, like, the biggest thing with... Um, marketing is selling that you know and and that's going to cause people to be more and more in their heads and that's going to cause more and more judgment and that's really the problem yeah so terrible my recommendation is try to fix the relationship with the scale or or food if that's an issue with you at all because that's going to affect this body image thing and then also your environment totally. your environment's the biggest thing yep like you're saying like people who you surround yourself with people you surround yourself with everything you watch i mean like even like i even like for a while i was like i'm gonna stop listening to like gangster rap i love gangster rap but if you listen to words it's like fuck dude, this is so negative and horrible yeah like most of it is just i'm not even gonna say what like it's yeah. ba it's bad yeah so part of me is like why am i listening to this like this is horrible and i still listen to it but my point is is like i've been in a place where i wasn't in the best mental state yeah. for weeks on end and I was like you know what I'm, I'm this is not doing any good for I'm you. not watching criminal minds anymore for a while <laughs> I'm gonna stop listening to uh no hate on Meek Mill but Meek Mill love Meek Mill but I'm gonna stop listening to you for a little bit you yeah. know like I, I was like okay what can I listen old to old Eminem <laughs> old Eminem I'm gonna listen to like fucking lo-fi beats and like some like 80s rock that just talks about like partying you know and some country honestly because country like a lot of times that's about partying too like pop country yeah but some of it's depressing as hell. Kind of. It it's is. all over the board. It's all over the board. What? What? It, sorry, I'm not like trying to change the subject, but whatever. What got you into lo-fi beats? Um, actually, so I trained a dude. Remember when I used to drive to Seattle, train that guy on Fridays? Yeah. He worked as a uh, cybersecurity guy For Amazon. in Amazon. Yeah. Um, super smart guy. And I would drive all the way into the city. I'd drive like an hour, go to his condo, and they had a full dope gym in there. And I would train him once a week. I'd write all this programming and everything. And uh, I was always, I'd like every day I'd just be like, what do you want to listen to? And they had this huge like stereo system and I would just put on whatever Spotify or Pandora he wanted to listen to. And uh, and one day he was like, uh, let's listen to, what was it? It's called Chill Hop. 
so kind of like hip hop but chill hop and it was like an album and it was the Christmas album it's like oh they just came out with a new ch- <laughs> Christmas chill hop Christmas album it's called Winter <laughs> Essentials and I was like alright and he was like you ever heard of this I was like no and we listened to the whole I still listen to that exact album to this day wow. it's not on the Lo-Fi Beats Spotify playlist but it's a separate one it's called Chill Hop I think it's Winter Essentials 4 like edition 4 Wow. but it's just beats yeah. and it was like I was like damn this is sick and it's just super chill I would never listen to it working out because yeah. it's very low key but I was like, damn, I'm going to start listening to this to work. And that was four years ago? Yeah. Four or five years ago? So, sorry for the detour. But anyway, yeah. So, dysmorphia. Yep, change your environment. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. You know, and, and if you can get better about that, then feel free to go back to having some of those things if you enjoy them. But as long as you can, if they're negatively impacting you, just take them out. If they're not, then don't. You know, like I think... Like I talked to... Sh- Shannon watches some reality shows and I talked to her one time. I was like, I, I personally can't do it because... I just get annoyed of reality TV most of the time. And she was like, sometimes it makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. And I was like, really? She was like, yeah, because it's like this crazy drama and shit. I'm like, God, <laughs> thank God my life is not like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's a good point. Like I watch the challenge all the time on MTV. We watch it every week when there's a new episode. Mm. And it's far less anything that's going to make me judge myself. It's just funny seeing people like go at it in competition and then like fight in the house and it's like super fake and you're like god these guys are ridiculous yeah but it's fun it's whatever but totally yeah cool all right um next one comes from Kristen. Hvidston. here we go <laughs> hvid that's a interesting Hvidston. effective ways to eat and train with higher levels of cortisol slash blood sugar issues um, yeah, I think the best way to, this is actually like a really, really easy answer for me. Cause I've worked with a ton of people that are in this case. I've worked with people who have like medically, uh, what's the word diagnosed like cortisol issues, like chronic cortisol issues from like whatever dysfunctions going on in their body that the doctors literally like you have a, a cortisol issue. And then I've had other people that I just suspect like you have fucked up cortisol issues because you've dieted too hard. You, you sleep four hours, run a company, have four kids, like just stressed out life, right? You're not sleeping. And I've been in places in my life where I was just not sleeping much and just hustling away. And I probably had dysfunctional cortisol levels because I was just tired and wired all the time. Totally. But easiest thing to do is drop intensity and you can increase volume a little bit. So it's basically turning your pro- training from like strength or CrossFit style to like functional bodybuilding. So you're doing more free weights, uh, because if I do like, so if I'm using kettlebells and dumbbells, I'm limited to how much total weight I can lift, right? Whereas a machine, like a leg press, I can load that shit up like crazy. Barbell back squat, I can load it up like crazy. But if I do a dumbbell cyclist squat, dumbbell split squat, dumbbell Bulgarian squat, I can't lift nearly as heavy, but I can still place a lot of tension on the muscle and I still get a good workout. Um, but you're lowering total volume when it comes to like pounds lifted per session like we talked about earlier and then if I'm dropping the low reps I'm dropping the barbells I'm dropping the metcons I'm lowering intensity enough to where I'm not fucking hammering the sympathetic nervous system so hard that cortisol is just fucking ramping up and that's what causes serious serious stress levels and burnout in central nervous system over fatigue and in overtraining essentially I've seen and I've had worked with crossfitters on nutrition where even like having I mean I've had like small women eating 600 grams of carbs a day 100 grams of fat like do like so many more calories than I eat personally. Like it's just insane. Like how do you even fit that much food in your body? But they train twice a day CrossFit competitively. And no matter how much food you give them at a certain point, like they just break. Not everybody does, but yeah. sometimes there's people who just break. And at that point, 
they can deload all they want, but they're just, they're like, they're done. And it's like, you need to take a month off training because you're overtrained. So there's obviously the scale of like, how bad is this cortisol issue? But I always say like functional bodybuilding four times a week with some like low impact cardio on the days in between is a good way to go about training. You're, you're controlling your tempos. You're using mainly free weights. You're doing higher reps, lower weights. Um, you're focusing on muscle contractions. So this is where actually we do more negatives. We do more pauses because I want you to feel that burn. I want you to feel that pump because that's going to justify and signal to you that you're doing hard work and you are getting some value out of that. And it stops you from lifting too heavy, which is going to cause that nervous system fatigue and and that sympathetic drive to be overdriven. Um, and then low impact cardio on the days between do some mobility and go on a 30 minute walk. If you want to throw a weight vest on, that's fine, but you're not like trying to spike your heart rate up like crazy. That's your training. And then for nutrition, it's really simple. Low to moderate fat diet, obviously not low to the sense where you're going to have hormonal issues. You don't want it to be dangerously low, but low to moderate fat, moderate to high carb. So, or I mean, sorry, moderate to high uh, protein. So at least 0.8 grams per pound if you're a little bit, uh, if you have weight to lose, but I would say one to 1.2 grams per pound for most people. Um, so you're getting plenty of protein and then high carb plenty of carbs and you're spreading those carbs out throughout the day. People with cortisol issues have high stress. Um, two things I, uh, reasons I prefer to do this is because number one, if we spike insulin by consuming food, specifically carbs, cause that's going to have the greatest effect on insulin. We're going to drop cortisol down. We've talked about that a million times on the podcast. Um, so if we can have four to five meals a day, which is a higher meal frequency and each meal has carbs in it, cause we're following a high carb diet every few hours, we're dropping cortisol right? And we're kind of maintaining a lower cortisol level, which is going to help bring our overall weekly average cortisol level down, get better sleep, better stress management, right? And then um, the other reason I like doing that is because hormones are sensitive to nutrients, especially women. And this is obviously a female asking this question. Um, I've noticed like if I have a a male and a female and both of them are high stress, I'll put the male on an intermittent fasting diet. Might not be the best strategy, but if he doesn't train in the morning, he's probably going to be fine. If I put a female who has high stress levels on intermittent fasting diet, I see the opposite. I see very negatively impacted because it causes too much stress because hormones are greatly affected by consumption of nutrients, calories and micronutrients. Mm -hmm. So having enough feedings of nutrients throughout the day is important to manage stress and it's going to affect women more than men. I don't have any studies to show this, but in my experience, and this is one of those ones where we have no studies to show that females have more sensitive hormones Yet we have all this evidence and experience showing that men tend to lose weight a little bit easier, right? Men tend to not get stressed as easy. Um, and men tend to have a better time with reverse diets. Men tend to have uh, less negative impact from intermittent fasting. This is all just based on experience. Yeah. But I've been coaching for 10 years and I've worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women and hundreds and hundreds of men. More women than men in my career for sure. But I've talked to so many coaches that have as much experience as me and they're all like, yeah, I don't have any like science to prove it, but I see the same thing. Totally. Uh, you know what I mean? So, um, no fasting, I would say four to five meals a day, higher carb diet, moderate fat, moderate to low fat. Every meal has, uh, carbs in it. Ideally you just literally, this is where like I, I play around with nutrient timing less as far as like pre-workout post-workout shit. And I'm just like, Hey, here's your, like to make it easy on math, you have 200 grams protein, 200 grams carbs, 50 grams fat. That's going to be 50, if you have four meals a day, that's 50 grams protein, 50 grams carbs every meal. And that's, I don't know, 12.5 or something like that uh, per meal of fat, right? But like literally just taking your totals and just dividing it by four or dividing it by five, however many meals a day you're eating, consume that, excuse me, consume that. Um, and the only like supplements I would 
consider if I have room to add calories on top of doing that, then I might do an intra workout shake because when we train hard, sympathetic nervous system goes up, cortisol goes up. So if we can manage cortisol during the training session a little bit, it might be helpful. Um, this is actually a situation where I do see positive benefits of an intra workout carb. Um, and then I might have them supplement with ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen, but take ashwagandha before you go to bed. Um, and that usually it's, it's supposed to, and there's some good evidence on it, reduce cortisol levels and help calm you down and get you to sleep. CBD will do that too, but there's no evidence to show CBD directly drops cortisol levels. But if something chills you out, your cortisol is probably going to come down. Totally. You know, shit, if you want to smoke some weed too, do that too. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever gets you to chill out. But, um, but yeah, no, I think, uh, that's my like quick rundown of what I would do. Yeah. So cool. We got a uh, couple questions here, uh, from Instagram. Uh, what do we got here? So let's get some personality ones. Yeah. There's a couple. Oh, uh, what, what was your most painful tattoo? Who asked it? Uh, James Krause. (sighs) Kneecap. Oh yeah. For For sure. sure. The kneecap. And and I didn't even go over like my whole kneecap. I around the edge. Yeah. I, I I want a knee tattoo. Like I want my kneecap covered. But, it, dude, it's just so painful that I'll never do it. I'll never do it. So I have, like, the bottom the okay. bottom half you of it. You don't my, want it bad enough then? No, not that bad. <laughs> um, my sleeve is finished, so it'd basically be like if I want to keep going up, yeah. like, my thigh, then I would. But I just don't want any of that bad enough. It hurts so fucking bad. The So the way my kneecap is, it's basically you have the ball, the joint, right? Yeah. And then it's on both the medial and lateral. So it goes up on the sides of my kneecap and then just on the very bottom, but not the middle and the top front of the kneecap. But the sides and the bottom of the kneecap, dude, like it just rattles your whole entire bone from ankle to hip. And yeah, that pain was stupid. The shin was pretty bad, but like he did the shin first because he started from the bottom went up. And like by the time he got to the knee, like when he went back to the shin, it was like, it's nothing. (laughs) It's the only time I've ever asked for a break. I've never asked for a break during tattoos because usually when I get a tattoo, I usually go and get a lot of work done. It's like I'm coming in for a sleeve or I'm coming in for my entire chest. So I don't go, like I have like on my wrist, like you're obviously going to finish that today. Yeah. You know, it's a very small tattoo. But usually I'm like covering a lot of area and we have like two, three days to do it. And I'm like, basically when you pay a tattoo artist, you pay for the day, right? So when you ask like, when are we tattooing? They'll be like, oh, we're starting at 10. Like how long? As long as you can sit. Because they can keep drawing. You're the one in pain. Yeah. So it's like literally like how long can you sit there? Wow. So I'm always the type that's like, how long do you keep the doors unlocked? I'll yeah. be here all fucking night get my money's worth. Wow. You know, if I can get it done in two days instead of three, that saves me yeah. over $1,000. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Depending on the artist. So I'll sit there. But uh, but the knee, that was one where I was, I literally, there was a few times where I was like, okay, 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 okay. And he like stopped. I was like, dude, I need to like, give me t- 10 minutes, 10, yeah. 15 minutes. I need a break get something to eat, chill out, meditate, calm down. And then, which makes it better, but it also makes it worse. Cause then, you know, like, Fuck, I gotta go sit down again. Yeah. Or the, my leg was nice because we did two days and then I came back like a month later and finished the other side in two days. Um, but like my chest was three days straight. So by day three, I was just dude, like drained, tired, dehydrated, like mentally exhausted. I was like, dude, I don't, I don't want anymore. Like I'm done, but it's like not even completely done at all. So I had to like, oh, fuck, that's it. And then the third day, 
The nipples are pretty bad. That's I what I, I that. thought you would say, but kneecaps. It's a, it's a different type of pain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a tickle. It's like a very painful tickle. Yeah. I mean, it's just, like it's literally like the ultimate titty twister. Ow. Like you could probably give me like just the gnarliest titty twister and it'd be like nothing compared to that. Because it's just, dude. And that, that story is funny too because I was like, he put the stencil on and there was like lines going over my nipple, right? And I'm like, you can go around it? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, you're not going to tattoo my nipple. He's like, yeah, I'm going to tattoo your nipple. <laughs> and the conversation was so awkward because we're both like just dead serious. And I'm like, no, no, but for real. He's like, yeah, like I'm going to tattoo your nipple. I'm like, no, but are you going to go like over like the nipple part? He's <laughs> like, I'm going to go right over your nipple. And did he? Oh, yeah. And oh, I was just like. I thought you told him no. No, I did. I was like, bro, I don't want. He was like, I'm telling you, if I go around it, you're going to have a ring because <laughs> your skin's so pale. You're yeah. going to have a ring around your nipple. And then it's going to look really weird. And I was like, fuck. All right, man, you're the tattoo artist. <laughs> I don't inspect nipple tattoos. I don't fucking know. And that was that was pretty bad. That's wild. Yeah, that one sucked. Uh, funny story about that. I actually, <laughs> I started asking this guy, because he's been tattooing a long time. I was like, what's the like the craziest tattoo you ever gave? So I asked him stuff. So we're on the nipple, and he was like, yeah, I actually have a funny nipple story. Tattoos, I'm like, he actually had two. One, he fucking was shaving somebody's chest and sliced part of the dude's nipple off, clean off. Oh, dude my God. fainted. Oh he my told me that while he was shaving my chest. Oh, my I'm God. I'm like, dude, like, do it after you successfully shave my chest because yeah. they'll just quickly do it. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, I cut a guy's nipple off one time. Oh <laughs> my God. I'm just like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> but then he tells me that he had a guy that uh, would come in with, like, aviator shades on, right? And he'd come in with dark shades. And this was at the beginning of his career. He's like, I took any tattoo because I was just trying to make money. Dark shades, never took his shades off. And he would come in and have, have him tattoo his nipples a darker color. Like every three months, because apparently I don't know if like it fades or something. Okay, but you just come in and get them a little bit darker for me. And I was like, man, that's a lot of pain every three months. And yeah. I, like, damn, you're gonna make your nipples darker every three months? That's Why are they making it darker? He didn't like how light his nipples were. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, it's crazy. Teach your own. Teach your own. But um, the nipple was bad, but the kneecap is by far the worst. The elbow was bad too, but. The elbow wasn't. Oh, sound, tattoos sound awesome, dude. It's it's the so it's the bone, right? Yeah. So elbow hurts, kneecap hurts, right in my sternum hurt, my oh. collarbone hurt. You going on like my pec, my delt, like this was just cake. Like we were having conversations, chilling. I'm reading. It was it was nothing. And then as soon as he got to like my elbow, I was like, okay, I need to breathe a little bit, you know. But ouch. Yeah, the bone is gnarly. I go in tomorrow to get all over my trap, so that'll be kind of fun because that's a bony area how many hours all day <laughs> <laughs> he starts at one i'm like oh, how long can i sit yeah probably till like nine or ten spent about eight or nine hours there shannon love that it's not just me sitting there getting tattooed the whole time we take breaks like we'll break like for dinner like i'm gonna go get a snack you eat some to, you know what i mean there's uh, no way somebody's drawing for eight hours straight. yeah but um but i'll be there for that long but we should be we're finishing this putting two doves on my traps and then some like rays around them and just kind of shading everything in to blend it. Cool. If we can't finish it, then I'll go back and however many weeks and finish cool. those. But. All right. Well, uh, that was the last one. So, um, check out the Taylor trainer. This is uh seven day free trials done, but don't tease them. Check it out. <laughs> you can't get the seven day free trial, but it's uh, still uh, awesome. But it's still awesome. Uh, it's still less than a dollar a month, so it's fucking dirt cheap. Dollar a month, damn. Le less than a dollar a month, dude. Or oh. I'm sorry, a day. Yeah. You're like, holy shit. Whoa. We're really not making money on that. <laughs> 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 wow. 
Oh my god, that's a really bad business decision, yeah. Cody. Yeah, no, uh, dollar a day. My bad. Uh, but check it out. The sales page talks a lot about it. If you have any questions, hit me up, Cody at yeah. DailyCoachMethod.com. If you're a nutrition coach or nutritionist or dietitian or anybody who wants to give their clients who do not do training with you access to good training programs, we have a partner program for you. Hit me up and I can give you the details. Otherwise, we'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>